you're listening to the Teen Wolf Rewolf. I think if I were to categorize this episode as anything, it would be everything happens so much. It it really it really happens so so much. I literally one this episode felt kind of long because of how much happens, but two I was like I can't believe that all happened in, in one episode. episode. Yeah, I was like at first I was like, "Whoa, this episode's hoofing it. A lot has happened already." And then I was like, "Oh my god, we're not even remotely halfway through and so much more has to happen." I enjoyed it. I had fun watching it, but I was like I was in the anxiety phase of like, I know there's more to come, but I don't know how much more. It yeah. was yeah. But yeah, a lot was a lot was it was packed into this this tiny little episode. I honestly feel like episode 3s are usually uh, bad. So for this one to be good is good. I will say that like some of it's a little uh, sloppy in terms of like continuity, but in terms of like the enjoyment that you're getting out of watching it, top notch. Yeah, I feel like my major continuity issue though is that like time doesn't exist in Beacon Hills and we knew that. Time, geography. How no, big is this preserve? How big? I'm picturing like the Arb like in Ann Arbor, like or just the nature park <laughs> on the campus. So I'm like, that's it's pretty easy to get across that thing. Yeah. Like the hospital to the high school for in the ARB is pretty easy to do. I, who possibly could know? I would really love a map of Beacon Hills. Um, and then they like go and look out over the city. And I'm just like, I still don't understand how big, big Beacon, Beacon Hills, Hills is. is. I, and I never will because... No. Yeah. Well, we never will because, as we discussed, Jeff Davis has no interest in thinking about Teen Wolf ever again. Ever, ever, ever. Good for him. I'd be done, too. And I think when we're done with this <laughs> podcast, I'll be like, hmm, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. And then, like, five years later, you'll be like, oh, an episode of Teen Wolf. Yeah. I, I will probably need some, like, um, time away. Like, absence yeah. will make the heart grow fonder or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it'll be, it'll always be a part of me. But, again, sometimes I'm like... I don't give a shit <laughs> about the Duroc or whatever. I mean, I do. Obviously, we're about to talk about it, but... Please please don't mistake our uh, ire and exhaustion for hating the show. We love it so much. It's also just, oh my God. Yeah. So much all the time. Everything happens so, so much. I think what the biggest issue is because, like, it's not that we don't want to talk about it. It's just like, oh my God, there's so much going on in the world right now, and we're like... So MTV's Teen Wolf. Meanwhile, there's like famine and a plague. And oh my God, the world is ending. <laughs> Anybody see any locusts? Actually, this is the year. What? Really? What? Yeah. So like there, so there's cicadas every year in Maryland, but there's like the 17 year cicadas. This is the year. What is a set? Actually, you know what? Don't care. They, they only nope. come out every 17 years. Okay. Um, it's horrible. They're so loud. And then they just die all over the place. And that already happens with like normal cicadas. So for it to be like extra awful is just like, mm, 2020, you yeah. really had to do it to them. It, yeah. God. Why? But on the other, uh, foot, I will say that maybe it is nice to not think about that for an hour a week. That's the dichotomy of like, I would love to have some semblance of normalcy, which this podcast is for me. And then also... Definitely gives me structure. Yeah. Where there was not a lot because we were in quarantine. We love structure. You think about, you know, we're just going to be right back into quarantine uh, in like three months. 
I still feel like I'm basically living in quarantine. Like I'll go out. You're to, working from home. Yeah, but I work from home and I try not to go out very much just because we're all going to be back isolating really soon. Wear a mask. People, if Please wear a mask. You know, I was like reading, doing some research on how other countries like effectively handled uh, a pandemic. <laughs> I mean, in part to handle a pandemic, you have to have a functional federal government. <laughs> so Which. that automatically disqualifies us right now. Um, and in like South Korea, like they all got sent like these giant packages of food so that they wouldn't have to grocery shop. And they all got sent an app. Like they all had to download an app where they would like put in their temperature every day. And if you didn't fill it in, the government would be like, hello, are you feeling all right? Which is like, I don't really want to get you up text from the government. Like I don't actually, I don't think you could ever convince Americans to like chart things for the government because that's not what we're about. But no, South Korea is living so well and we are uh, going to die of Corona. That is, that is the thing that uh, has really been bugging me for a couple of weeks. And like the 4th of July is coming up and I'm just sitting here being like, Americans are so goddamn selfish. Mm-hmm. We're so selfish. We don't want anyone to tell us what to do ever uh, and sometimes that results in good things like overthrowing our colonial oppressors, but it's also sometimes is like we're we're in an out of control pandemic. Yes. Yeah. Also, the two things I just referenced happened roughly 300 years apart from each other. So. Well, I mean, Americans not wanting to be told uh, what to do is also leading us to like this like moment of like revolutionary protest that's happening. But every person at the protest has been wearing a mask and like and was speaking from experience. So the people who aren't wearing a mask tells you about what kind of people they are. Yeah. Uh, So the moral of the story, kids, wear a fucking mask. Wear a mask. Fuck the police. (laughs) Thank you very much. That was the Teen Wolf Rewolf podcast. Oh, speaking of which, you're listening to the Teen Wolf Rewolf podcast, a podcast where uh, I guess we talk about Teen Wolf when we're not talking about politics and um, our general our, uh, <laughs> <laughs> our general distaste with the current situation. Uh, my name is Christian. I'm Julia. And we're about to rock and roll. I also yeah, think I was in part stalling because uh, I know that I have to. Go first in the recap, and as we mentioned at the beginning of this episode, oh baby, there's a whole bunch to chat about, so. Yeah, I made plot notes uh, after we watched it, and I'm, I'm looking it over, and it's just unintelligible, so. Oh, my handwriting has never been worse. Yeah. I think. Yeah, this week we're going to be talking about season three, episode three, it's called Fireflies. That it is, um, and it is directed by our dear friend... Tim Andrew, who we know personally. Um, oh, yes, I've met him. <laughs> yeah, and written by uh, Lucas Justman and Angela Harvey. So A woman. Yeah, uh, Angela Harvey, I believe, has been writing in the last like couple episodes. We're only three deep, but it's nice to see a woman's name. Uh, even though we saw credits. almost zero women in this episode. Because even, Al- even Allison and Cora, they were just there to... Show up and be kind of badass, but unrelatable, you know? Yeah, name a woman, Yoga Matt. They named Lydia. We'll talk about her. Yeah. Um, but we're going to have to talk about her after the recap. Yes. So, we are going to recap the plot. Christian's going first. Are you ready? So, yes, I'm ready. Okay. You have one minute starting on the clock. Now. 
Okay, so there's two kids in the woods, and they're catching fireflies, and then Boyd shows up and scares them, and then Scott saves them, and then uh, Lydia is, like, going crazy, and then she goes to the store, but then goes to go to the store, but then shows up at the swimming pool and finds a body, and then Derek and Scott are looking for Boyd, and they realize that they're going to have to uh, call Chris to help them, because they don't know how to hunt uh, werewolves, and then Ed, there's a flashback where Scott tells Allison about her mom, and then there's two uh, girlfriends camping in the woods, girlfriends in the lesbian way, not in the Galapels way, and uh, one of them gets kidnapped, and there's a bunch of hallucinations, and then Cora shows up, and Isaac fights her, and then Stop shows up to help Lydia and then um, uh, the boys call Chris and then he is like no I'm not going to help you but then they show him the body at the pool that Lydia found and he's like fine I'll help you and then um, Chris teaches them how to hunt and they decide they're going to trap Boyd and Cora in the school and while they're doing that Allison shows up to help and then Styles goes to the hospital because Melissa calls him to come look for like look at the body and he's like oh no I realize that this is a pattern and then she shows him that Heather's body is there and then they go back to the school and then they trap the baby werewolves in the boiler room but so so close man i was hoping it so hard i don't think i've ever talked faster in the podcast in my life yeah i, I saw like a crazed look come into your i eyes. have so many more notes after that you basically got there though thanks yeah. um i didn't mention peter well now then i guess i gave you that one for free but thank you so much <laughs> oh god there's there's literally so much I I like was I almost just felt like I needed to get this one done because I knew it was going to be difficult. So um, yeah, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Okay. One, two, three. Okay, we're picking up from the last episode. Boyd and Cora attack some kids in the woods, but Scott saves them. He and Derek meet up and try and form a plan, and then Isaac is there, and he's like, "We can't really do this on our own," so they decide to go to Chris. Um, Lydia is kind of sleepwalking because she was screaming and she finds a dead body in the pool and uh, that's not cool. She calls Styles. They go to Chris and he's like, no, I won't help you. And then there's a flashback where uh, Scott tells Allison that he didn't tell her about her mom because he didn't want that to be the last memory and they find dead Erica and it's really sad and then uh, they're trying to hunt the werewolves and Peter catches up with Derek and is like hmm this is just the plot of the alpha werewolves ha ha and then there are some lesbians in the forest and they're uh, having some fun times and then one of them starts hallucinating and runs out of the tent and gets lost and uh, so they're continuing to push Boyd and Erica towards the school Scott uh, anyway Styles is uh, at the hospital with Melissa. Melissa's like, you should see this. So he finds that uh, multiple people have died. Uh, Allison is also there trying to catch the miracles. Yeah, it's hard. It really uh, cool. What did we miss? So uh, at, the sun comes up right at the right time when Derek has to re-enter the boiler room to save Jennifer. Um, and even though Boyd and Cora are like ripping him to shreds, he is able to, uh, subdue them because their full moon powers go away when Isaac is like, Scott, the sun's coming up. A <laughs> moment that I saw gift on Tumblr a bajillion times. It's beautifully shot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we flash to the hospital and Styles figures, figures out that these people who have been, the bodies that have been showing up in the morgue have been sacrificed and he explains that they've been victims of like a threefold death which is like a sacrificial way of killing people and the episode ends on the sheriff finding the body of emily who is one of the women in the woods yes and we hear i think for the first time the like male chanting to rock music uh kind of closes out the episode Mm -hmm. which is cool yeah i like it i'm a big fan of that i like it too i mean i think sound editing is like such a big part of teen wolf 
Yeah, and I never, I almost never have complaints about it. Like, I think it's Sometimes really I consistent. Do. Sometimes I'm like, okay, that was loud. <laughs> and it was also dark, which is not about sound, but holy shit, was this episode This dark. episode was me just squinting at the screen, like, please, just, please, I can't see anything. It usually works out for us to, like, do this during kind of winter times, because it's dark at five o'clock when we sit down to watch the episode, and so you can kind of see, um, but that's not the case right now, so we're just like, I don't know what's happening. Yeah it's a good thing we've seen the show like i yeah. think if we were just like doing this for the first time we'd be like i don't know i think we would miss a lot yeah that'd be so interesting if we had decided to do this before either of us had seen it like if that's how you did a t- uh, television podcast yeah a la uh gilmore guys shout out are they doing do they do it and have none of them seen it no one of them has seen it and the other one hasn't oh kevin okay. has seen it demi has not and they neither of them watched the seventh season because it was terrible so seventh season is like they're both blind ah got uh, it interesting yeah interesting okay well let's 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 try to focus a little bit on teen wolf so today <laughs> we're going to be discussing this episode through the theme of sacrifice which uh is that on the nose yeah but is that the best way to discuss this episode no, it's just on the nose, and that's what we picked. <laughs> uh, we've been handed our themes this season so far, and I have to tell you that I'm enjoying Brilliant. That. A little after-school special, but ooh, baby, it makes it uh, way easier on us. Yeah, right? exactly. Um, who do you want to talk about in terms of sacrifice first? I think it's kind of the major player of this episode is Chris. Should we start with him? Let's do let's. Chris is making a sacrifice that he doesn't necessarily understand the value of when he first kind of decides that he's not going to help Scott. Mm-hmm. He basically says that, like, and I, I took note of this, he mentions that, like, the supernatural world destroyed his family, so he doesn't want any part of it, which is like, your family destroyed your family, bub. Like, come on. It is also your world. Nice try trying to pretend that you are not a whole-ass part of that. Yeah. Um, and I think that... His, his maybe the initial sacrifice he makes is stepping away from that life um, to protect Allison. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the sacrifice he ends up making is stepping back in because he realizes that he can't actually protect his family anymore from this life. It's too ingrained. It's too big of a part of Beacon Hills. And he also understands that if he doesn't, other people will die. Like he can't be selfish about this in this moment, even though... To him, he probably has more right than anyone to be selfish after losing his sister and his wife and... To an extent, his, his daughter. And, his, yeah, his father, whatever. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I think that's one of the crux, like, important questions about Teen Wolf is that you, in theory, could walk away from the responsibility of knowing about the world about the supernatural world like scott could walk away at any point and be like i'm 16 yeah uh, there's no like prophecy or whatever no one's like bound yeah to this shit so it it really shows like the depth of chris's uh positive feeling towards scott like he wants to help scott yeah when he's when scott's like why are you still pointing the gun at me and he's like maybe i still want to shoot you chris you've never wanted to shoot scott we bit we know like we know that you love scott he's always loved scott he, yeah um, and I think he's also kind of moved by the fact that, um, I, we don't really know how old Cora is, but like Boyd is a, a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think Scott is really, Chris is really taken with the notion that like, I have to not only keep other people from being slaughtered, but I, I think there's like the 
moral responsibility of keeping other people from acting on their worst instincts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's funny because he sort of tries to play it off like he doesn't even care about Boyd. He's like, oh, I don't even know his last name. And Scott has to be like, Boyd is his last name. His first name is Vernon. Mm-hmm. And even just after hearing that, you can kind of see a shift in in Chris because it's like, that's that puts this name to this face that I didn't previously know. Like, this is a person who is, like, whole to me mm-hmm. now. Which, like, he should be anyway, Chris. Like, he's a teenager. Just be nice. Um, yeah, his daughter also almost murdered Boyd. This is so. true. So. Yeah, so he owes he owes Boyd something. Mm-hmm. Boyd is owed a lot more than the show ever gives him. I cannot believe that he also dies in this season. Spoiler alert, not really. If you're here for no spoilers, I'm so sorry. If you're here for no spoilers, how the hell do you make it this far? Uh, yeah, I think Chris is sacrificing a lot. Interesting because I feel like he doesn't know. I don't feel like I know he doesn't know that Allison is part of this. And maybe there's some part in his mind that thinks that he can do it without her knowing or without her being involved but that's completely impossible. Yeah. Cause I mean, like even if he like set whatever rules for Allison, she's not following them. Allison has never once in her life given a shit about the rules. I know. I love her. I wish she was in this episode more. Yeah. I, again, one of the failings of this episode in that it has like so much packed into it is we, we get the confrontation of her with Scott saying, why didn't you tell me that my mother tried to kill you? And we don't get a chance to linger on that before Derek just like brings in Erica's dead body. So uh, nobody gets to deal with their like emotional trauma. Um, yeah. That has nothing to do with Chris or sacrifice, but it kind of is. I mean, like in terms of like Argent family sacrifice, like yeah. Scott makes, Scott basically makes the sacrifice to not do anything about the fact that he was almost murdered so that Allison can remember her mom fondly. Which, like, does she? Mm, I don't know, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, I, and I think that this is the... I think this episode in particular is Chris's turning point. He's kind of, like, remaking the Argent family uh, MO. Like, he's... Yeah, re- I mean, Allison is the one who comes up with the new code. Mm-hmm. Um... Yeah, like that we protect those who can't protect themselves. I, I used to know it in French. I no longer do. I probably won't even try to do that for you on the podcast. Um, and, but he is, is clearly like the inciting factor of that. Like he, his choice to actually help Scott after seeing the body of that kid at the pool, which I would love to know more about the Beacon Hills community response to the amount of bodies that pile up because by the end of this season, 12 civilians are killed. It's very, it's 12 is a whole shitload of people. It's a lot. Um, and it's funny because when I was watching this episode, sometimes it just really strikes me how much they took the werewolf makeup from the Buffy vampire makeup. And it's very similar to like the town of Sunnydale. Oh yeah. I was about to be like, where did that come from? (laughs) No, like Sunnydale is just like, Oh, another high schooler dead. Honey passed the oats. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because there was a really horrific murder that happened in my hometown. I think when I was in college, early college for me. And uh, it's still all anybody talks about. So that's just one murder. (laughs) Yeah. Um, You also kind of have to wonder, like, again, 
because Sunnydale is like at the Hellmouth, things have just been happening there for a really, really long time. Beacon Hills is a beacon. Um, and so I think people are probably just used to weird happenings because that's one of the things that like the sheriff brings up later on when he knows he like goes back through all of his cases that he couldn't solve yeah that he knows had to be supernatural in some way Mm -hmm. um we've moved on from chris have we moved on from chris sure not that i'm not interested but i feel like those are points we reiterate a lot um i want to talk about derek this is the first time where derek seems kind of unwilling to sacrifice anyone but himself Mm-hmm. Like we talked about how scummy like Derek was in season two. He is now and in, in the last episode, but in this episode, I think in particular, which they're carryover episodes, which really confused me when we first started <laughs> watching. I was like, what the F? But he is now very certain that he is no longer putting other lives on the line. Just his own. Just his own. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause I think one of the questions that I had, um, while I was watching this just kind of philosophically is why Derek doesn't um, have an issue with Chris coming in to help them or why he doesn't protest that so much because there's never been any real moment of reckoning between the two of them. Like to Derek, Chris is just the guy who has tried to murder very important people in his life. Mm -hmm. Um, And so he, he doesn't say anything when Scott's like, we need a werewolf hunter. He's just kind of like, well, if that's what it takes, yeah, we'll do it. Maturity. Incredible. You know what that is? Growth. Growth. Yeah. 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 Um, but I think the most interesting interaction that he has with Sacrifice is that, uh, you know, Peter and Scott are essentially the devil and angel on his shoulder, and uh, <laughs> Peter comes in and is like, what does it matter to you? Does it really matter to you? The alphas are going to want you anyway. Like, there's, you know, is what are the stakes in this for you. And I think that that actually is an interesting, like philosophical question. I don't think we should ever, and Peter even says like, we operate in the gray or whatever, which is Mm -hmm. like, yeah, Teen Wolf, we know, (laughs) we know, come on. Um, but that is an interesting sort of philosophical approach where it's just kind of like, even if you go through all of this, the ends are still like the, the end is still in place. Like, yeah, he also says you're still an alpha. You can make more werewolves. Which is a terrible thing to say about your fucking sister. Like, yeah. well, oh, if Cora's dead, <laughs> I can just make a new one. No, you can't. Yeah, I mean, but that's also the interesting thing of how he tries to, like, rationalize it away, where it's like, well, you thought Cora was dead for the past nine years. Why does her being alive mm-hmm. I- immediately change how you feel? Because uh, it would. Because it Peter has would. No, no soul. <laughs> no, he is a sociopath. Um, I do think that that is an interesting question, but like I was saying in the last episode is that Derek is like, I have some atoning to do for my sins. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's a very religious way of putting it. But basically he, he feels like there are wrongs that need to be righted and he is the only one that can do that. Um, And he's also kind of, he does put himself in harm's way first, but he is allowing Scott to take part in this because he knows, like, in order to get to a place where he could solve it by himself, he needs help. Yeah. Which is interesting. So even even if he's not willing to sacrifice others, he also knows that he can't be independent in this. Yeah. Which is kind of, I mean, a sacrifice of his own pride. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And I think that we, we see the sort of like, I need Scott, but I also can't ever put him in harm's way sort of again, Mm -hmm. when Derek's tells him at the end that he's going to go to be the one 
who goes and gets Jennifer out of the boiler room and he locks the door behind him and Scott can't even come in, which is like, okay, Derek. <laughs> but it is a thing where he's like, if I, if there's going to be one to, to die by the hands of my creations, it should be me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he manages to survive, which there are so many points in the show where I'm like, he should be dead. He should not be living. Derek should be dead through most of this season. This is just one maiming of Derek. And the next one happens in like the second episode and like the next episode, the fir- episode five. The, in the first season where he gets impaled on the alpha's claws and then thrown against a building and somehow he lives. Yeah. And he's fine. Very sexy of him. To be, like, immortal. He's very sexy in this episode. (laughs) Let's just put that out there. Yeah. Um, There's some, like, baseball arm throwing. Yeah, he he throws the the, um, sonic noise emitter that the Argents used to corral Mm -hmm. the wolves. And I was just like, hmm, someone played college baseball, which Tyler Hecklin did. He did. Uh, Should we talk about Scott in terms of sacrifice? Let's do it. Scott has... Someone who is so opposed to the idea of sacrifice. Like, I think that Scott is kind of um, a little bit Captain Kirk in the way where he's like, there's, I don't believe in no win scenarios. Sure. Um, and you, I think you see that in this episode where he's like, no, we are going to find a way where nobody gets hurt. Mm-hmm. I do not want to be like, especially I think after finding those children, he's like, I cannot let anyone in Beacon Hills get hurt because of Boyd and Cora, but I also am not going to be the one to stop them with, by killing them. Like, I cannot do that. Um, which is an interesting thing. Like, I think that that is, I mean, obviously where you probably would immediately go in the, that situation where you're like, no one's dying. I'm not going to let anybody <laughs> die. But the fact that that maintains his stance throughout the episode is um, so admirable. But also, like, Scott, sacrifice is something that is so sacred to Scott that it, it can't be used in, 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 in situations that don't, that he thinks don't demand it. Yeah. I I think one of the things that we do see Scott kind of shedding as the series goes on. And uh, not that this really affects his like true alpha status, but the level of uh, innocence really drops and goes away. Scott's aware of the games that other people play. And you see that in the end of season two. And you also see that in this episode when, Scott is like, okay, you won't help me. Can you drop me off somewhere? And he takes Chris to the crime scene where a body that he thinks has been ripped up by Boyd and Cora is dead. Mm -hmm. Because he knows exactly what that will do to Chris. Yeah. And it's kind of a sacrifice of like his own pure intentions. Like that is incredibly manipulative. I think that we already saw Scott be manipulative in last season though. Like I, this was like a way sexier version of manipulation, but I think the the, the closing of season two, like I think it shows us that Scott is capable of it, but it is always with the intention of preserving life, which is why. Yeah. I mean, but I think it's like a process of him, him figuring out how he, how to play the game against people like uh, Peter and Derek who live in the gray or whatever he said. And I was like, Oh yeah. my God, we get it. It's gross. <laughs> so obvious. Um, yeah. But yeah. Um, and then there are people, and I guess, you know, we can talk about Isaac for a second. He doesn't really sacrifice anything. He does have like a sort of flippant interaction with the idea that it's easier just to kill them, which I thought was interesting 
One, because there, there needed to be levity in this episode, and it's interesting that it fell on Isaac, who was funny in this episode. He's mm-hmm. probably the only person who gets to do anything funny in this episode, um, with the exception of Peter. And he comments where he, at first he's like obviously on Scott's side because he's always going to be on Scott's side where it's like we're going to protect Boyd and Cora and then later is like wouldn't it just be easier to kill them which in part was just sort of ha ha mm-hmm. but I think there's a part of Isaac in his sort of um, emergence into being his his own and like untethered to his past is trying to decide actually what things that he wants to do for himself or decide for himself to make life easier for himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and that happens to interact with this episode. Yeah, I thought that that was really interesting with Isaac. Um, but one of the things that I was kind of noticing as those quips were happening is like Scott and Styles are separated for this entire episode. And so it kind of falls on Isaac to like make the styles like style quips Mm -hmm. that's a good Um, observation i didn't think about that i mean they fail isaac's character on so many levels i know (laughs) it's like so much to my dismay and the dismay of everyone who's ever liked this show yeah and so it's i i also think it's difficult because the way that they've kind of established his character in the second season is that he Um, puts on this like very callous exterior because he uh, has been abused. And so his only way to protect himself is to be like aloof and uncaring. But you see that he really has like a very tender heart. Um, And I think that now that he is kind of a free agent, they're trying to figure out what to do with him, the writers. Mm -hmm. And so um, I feel like he's kind of falling into like the Styles clone camp, and not that they're the same person, but they kind of serve the same function when Scott and Styles are not together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the generous way of looking at that is that like Isaac is like, well, I want Scott to like me, therefore I need to be the person he likes. That's entirely possible. Yes. The uh, the ingenuous and maybe accurate way of reading it is that the writing is bad. <laughs> the writing is bad. Uh. Um. But yeah, it's just they did Isaac dirty, dirty very specifically. Yeah, I know. He, but he was such a big part of it. Him and Chris were like the stars of this episode, which is such a funny. If you had to be like, oh, who who backed an episode in season three? Would you have picked those two? Yes. Um, the other thing that this uh, episode in Isaac, like the other thing that this episode brings up about Isaac, is that Isaac is just. Horny. <laughs> I, I think, well, I, yeah, I mean, and maybe the sort of more delicate way of saying it is like, I think Isaac is now in, in part of like emerging as like doing things for himself is expressing his interest in girls because I think Isaac's life before would have never allowed him to actually interact with girls in the way that he would want to. And now he's like, Derek has a pretty sister. <laughs> and then yeah. he has a moment where he like stares at Allison and it's kind of like tense, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah. Also Isaac was kind of <laughs> like, Isaac was also a little dumb. And is that everything about Isaac in this episode was like himbo material. And I was like really digging it. <laughs> if that had been the real route that they went down, that Isaac was just a himbo. I think we all have been like, yes. Yes. Agreed. Uh, um, but yeah, it just interesting interactions with himself deciding where he is going to start placing his, um, like morality mm-hmm. and his loyalty. Yeah. To Scott always. Scott always. Um, we should move into talking about styles and Lydia because they actually interact with, um, 
sacrifice on a far more literal plane, and it's pretty gross. So it is gross. Um, again, this is like I remember getting to this season and being so excited that they were actually doing something with the fact that Lydia just screams all the time. Like it serves a purpose. And that purpose is that she finds the dead bodies and Styles figures out what to do with them. Gross. <laughs> but true. Yeah. Um, and she is just kind of in this fugue state. And they also postulate that it's like, it might be Peter's doing, which I think is kind of undone by the uh, end of the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but she encounters, she finds one of the human sacrifices at the pool. She is called to it through her banshee senses. Literally. It's not that she stumbles upon it. She means to go to the store and mm-hmm. then wait, like, you know, time warps and wake up, wakes up at... They also suggest that she's taking something, so she, like, benzos out and then wakes up at the pool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to be fair, there are definitely... I was watching this and I was like, I know that it's, like, so spooky that she, like, ended up at the pool and she meant to go to the store, but, like, there were definitely times when I had to, like, drive to my job every day where I'd be like, I do not remember how I got here. Like, yeah, straight up. And it's not because I wasn't watching the road or, like, obeying the laws of traffic, but I just, looked legitimately auto-piloted myself there and I was like, huh, I do not remember that drive at all. No, I, you, I do that when I walk home from work. I'm, like, yeah. mm, leaving work, and then I'm like, oh, my God, I'm home. Oh, it's, it's my door. Yeah. yeah. Um. So it is weird, but it's also just like, I get that. I get it. It's relatable. <laughs> it's relatable. Um, yeah. So Lydia kind of has more of a purpose. She does. And it's it's interesting, like... They, they uh, go through this whole season being like, banshees are harbingers of death, which is actually not even the word that I like, mm-hmm. per se, because I think that that often more suggests that you know someone is going to die, whereas Lydia finds people posthumously. And I think that there's something very sad about that, that she is called to where death has taken place. And that is actually, I think, a big sacrifice that she takes on unwillingly, that she has to be the one to find the bodies. Yeah, the emotional toll that that has to take on her. And especially in these first couple of episodes where she doesn't know why it's happening. And she doesn't know why she, doesn't know why she was the one who was used to summon Peter. She doesn't know why she's the one who finds the body at the pool. But she is left with that like residual trauma of having found the dead body mm-hmm. and she obviously doesn't know what to do about that. And everybody else seems like incredibly blase about this particular dead body. So I was like, yes, of course you should have called me when you find like, it's fine. Um, he's clearly very affected, yeah. but he pretends as though he's not. And so mm-hmm. um, Lydia, ugh. like, I think a lot of Lydia's, sacrifice is I think you said like the emotional toll it is but it's also like she's about to start losing like credibility as like a functioning human in the season because people are gonna be like that's the town crazy girl which every town has one maybe it's you um (laughs) but it's probably not because you're finding corpses and the interesting thing that I uh find about that is that her friends really wanted to keep the secret of the supernatural from her to protect her 
Like, Allison didn't want Lydia to know mm-hmm. about the werewolves. And she obviously finds out in season two, but literally nothing they could have done would have kept her from, like, being a banshee and being involved in this. And so, uh, she, I mean, she's sacrificing she, something she didn't even know she had. Like, she did not even have the ability to stay out of this or to stay above it. Mm-hmm. She is in it by virtue of being a supernatural creature. Yeah, in that way, she is, like opposite of chris yeah she doesn't have a choice mm-hmm. i mean she could ignore it but like there i mean it's a physical response like her screaming her fugue state of finding the body like mm-hmm. she can't really control that at least for now yeah and i think that that later predicts sort of her interactions with parish who Ooh. essentially has like the same ish um come their relationship and even though their relationship is a Highly questionable. We'll get there. We will get there. I think there is one of, it is one of those things where it's like, nobody else understands this part about me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Styles is one very concerned for Lydia, but is also more uh, concerned in what she actually is stumbled upon. And she, he is the one who at the end of the episode puts it together. These are been human sacrifices, which is so fucking gross. <laughs> it's so gross. And I, I think when I watched this for the first time, I was like, oh my God, Styles is so smart. And then I sat back and I was like, literally any person who had a mythology obsession in middle school could have figured that out. Like yeah, the fact that Styles was the kid with the dragon book. <laughs> exactly. Um, but the fact that no one else is putting two and two together there is interesting. Well, I think that if I, let's say I was a medical examiner or a coroner or whatever, I am not. But if I was, I would look at that and be like, we have a serial killer. Yeah. I would not be like, this is sacrifice. Because if you are just looking at the wounds, um, oh, siren number one. There have been no sirens last couple of episodes. I know. So. It's been crazy. Maybe people are staying inside. I, one would hope. God, I know. I, um, but if you're just, if you're just examining these bodies and you're noticing the similar MO of the actual, like, killing, you'd be like, Beacon Hills is a serial killer. It takes the, uh, like, the other details that Styles is able to pick out, like, the fact that he notices the, the purity ring on the guy at the pool, and he knows that Heather was a virgin, and he, once he notices that, he thinks to go ask Caitlin mm-hmm. whether or not Emily was a virgin, um... It takes some something like that in, to know that it would be sacrifice. Because like I think when people even talk about sacrifices in the general sense, even when people make jokes about human <laughs> sacrifices, it's always about sacrificing virgins. Yeah. Uh, it's an interest it's a really interesting plot line. Um, and the fact that Styles figures it out because Melissa McCall invites him into the morgue. She knows. She knows he's special. <laughs> Yeah. Well, she also knows that there's something off. Up, yeah. Uh, She's so smart. She is so smart. It also begs the question, like, why is nobody else that smart? But she knows about the supernatural, so she's like, this is fishy. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah. And then there's a really awful moment. Where she shows him Heather's body. Yeah, which I think, again, not necessarily um, a sacrifice where you voluntarily give something up, but a a loss of innocence because I think styles has encountered dead bodies before. Like he's encountered death. His mother has died, but this is kind of the first time in their like supernatural journey that he's had to deal with that person, that, that amount of like personal, because even with the other people who have died in the series, 
Most of them have come back. <laughs> Jackson came back. Peter came back. And the pe- the one who didn't, what? Like, Kate? Kate. She can rot. Victoria. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he didn't... It wasn't... There for Erica. It wasn't so. there for Erica. And that's gonna... It, that impacts him when we saw it in, like, the last episode. And it informs how a lot of, I think... It especially informs, like, how Boyd functions throughout the season. But mm-hmm. it, it weighs on all of them. But he didn't know Erica when he was three. Yeah. So he, like your childhood, like your toddler best friend, that is tough. So heavy. Yeah. And I think this is, this is like our first, um, indication that this season is going, not the first indication, but like one of the major indications that Teen Wolf is about to enter a sort of study in, um, like mythology or even like the supernatural that is so much darker I think you even see that in the first scene in mm-hmm. this particular episode because one of the things that I thought when it opens is like this is a completely different show. These kids out in the woods with the fireflies and Boyd coming to eat them or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like it feels very off kilter from the Teen Wolf that we know and uh if Scott had not been there those kids would be dead. Yep. And you're very keenly aware of that fact. Mhm. So siren number two. So season three, episode three, we're much more prepared for what's about to happen. Yeah. Yikes. And it's also darker just cause it's interacting with like, not even just myth, but also like history at this point. Mm-hmm. Like druids existed. They didn't do any human sacrifice so far as I know, like, and have looked into, but there was sacrifice like animals and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that weirdly weighs it more into like, like life because we're not just talking about like Beauty and the Beast anymore. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's, um, it's like life. It's history. It's also the notion of like bringing balance into the world and what that requires. Mm-hmm. Because the whole conflict between like Deaton and Morel is that there needs to be balance in the supernatural and Beacon Hills. And so if everybody was putting their weight behind Scott, like it would be imbalanced mm-hmm. and eventually like one thing has to win out over the other, like Scott defeats the alpha pack or whatever, but like there has to be balance in the world for it to work out. And sometimes that requires sacrifice. <gasps> oh what? my God. Crazy. Crazy. Yeah. You ready to talk about cues and O's? Let's do it. I have no questions. This episode for being as jam packed as it was pretty straightforward. Um, I had one episode. One episode? A question, perhaps? one question. Uh, The sheriff makes such a big deal about Stiles being the last person to have seen Heather, and he doesn't know that she turned up dead. Like, that just seemed a little strange to me, and I... My only thought is that she turned up as a Jane Doe. I guess. But I feel like if people were out looking for her, it's not like they had sawed off her fingerprints or pulled out all her teeth. Like, there was a way... To identify that was her. so graphic. I'm sorry, but that's like, those are the two main ways to identify people. Dental records and... Yeah, no, I know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just found that strange. I know it's an important plot device that he yeah. finds her and is affected I'm by just that. saying like, okay, let's say Heather's body was found that night while the sheriff is out at this, like finding the at the, other at the thing. pool. Yeah. And they just sent out the coroner to bring her in and that was going to be part of the investigation or whatever. Like a, a separate team went to go investigate. Uh, do you have any observations you want to share? Um, I have a few. There's a 
cute little callback uh, when Lydia's like looking out at the moon and she's like, hmm, lunatic, because, you know, that was a thing in season one or two. I don't remember. Mm -hmm. Uh, Scott's a dummy. I don't really, I don't know what that was about, but it's true. Uh, hmm. Uh, the dead body fake out was great. Um, initially when Lydia gets to the pool, there's like a mannequin floating in there. I don't know why I'm explaining this. If you haven't watched the episode, go watch the episode, but there was a great fake out. Um, that was good. I wish very hard that the scene, the only gay scene, the only real gay scene we've had so far was not a murder, a murder. Yeah. Not a hallucination. Well, they, they keep managing to just fridge women and kill their gays, and this time they did it in one foul swoop. Yeah. Uh, Bad job, Teen Wolf. Congratulations. Um, da, 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 da. Uh, Allison using her powers for good as opposed to evil. Very hot. They also stopped plucking her eyebrows. She looks great. She looks so good. Um, she looks great. Peter is a goddamn scumbag. He comes up and he's just like... What if they died? And you're like, that's kind of not the point. And you're supposed to be like, oh, fair. Like, what? <laughs> yeah. Um, and then uh, my favorite bit of cinematography in this particular episode is when Boyd and Cora get shot in the boiler room, mm-hmm. and uh, they're just like two sets of glowing eyes in the dark. I thought that was really, really interesting to look at. Uh, and I enjoyed it. That was pretty, especially because it referenced the fireflies at the beginning of the episode, because their eyes glow yellow. Yes, it did. Very cool. Um, what are some of your... I feel like I've mentioned a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love the... There was so much good stidia in this episode. Mm-hmm. The fact that they're the only people functioning in the B plot is so good. Yeah. Um, especially when I think, you know, we kind of make fun of Styles for being like, if you find a dead body, you have to call me first. And I think that's because if Lydia finds a dead body, Styles wants to know before anyone that she's okay. That's true. Um... So loved that. Also, this is the uh, one of several Isaac scarfs we see in the season, mm-hmm. and people were very invested in Isaac wearing scarves uh, when this season came out, and that was funny to remember just seeing him in it. That feels very uh, 2010s. Oh, like yeah. 2010s. Oh, yep, yep. Yeah. He. Everybody was just one step away from having an ironic mustache. <laughs> I know. God, we Gross. as much as we try to defend millennials. Millennials are very (laughs) embarrassing people. Yes, we are. Um, Did you have some more? Nope, that was it. I actually, um, it occurred to me that we had not talked about Jennifer at all. (sighs) She was not anybody I had any thoughts about. Except for the fact that she killed them. But, like, we don't know that yet. We don't know I don't have even anything to really say about her in terms of sacrifice goes. No, not in terms of, like, uh, the theme. But I do think it's important to note that she was there and now has contact with Derek. Um, and nobody's really questioning why in the hell she was at the school at like four or five in the morning. Um, because they're all just dummies. Yep. All around. Everyone in the show is stupid. Yep. Except for Except Styles. for Peter. Well, they, <laughs> but they are smart in the same and opposite way. <laughs> yes. Uh, and neither of them were there to question that, which I'm sure they would have in that yep. moment. But no, it's just the dummy werewolves. Mm-hmm. Do you have pack stats? Yes, I do. I don't know why I closed my notebook before I gave them, but uh, you guys have already heard two sirens. You're welcome. Um, we have four eyes. There actually probably were more, but it was like the same people and maybe I lost count. Um, three claws, two shirts. Is that accurate? 
Who was shirtless? I don't know. Maybe I was making tally marks on the wrong thing. Maybe there was... I don't remember anybody being shirtless in this episode. Oh, no, no. That was uh, two sirens. My bad. Nobody okay, was I was shirtless. like, so weird to be naked in this app. Uh, yeah, and there was one ad. One ad. Toyota. Hmm. Which... Did they move on from Chevy? I guess they must have, because Chris was not originally driving a Toyota. No. Hmm. 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 Interesting. Yeah. Um, well, cool. Do you have an alpha of the week? I feel like it's got to be Chris. Chris or Derek? Um, I think Chris uh, makes the choice to jump right on back into the supernatural. And um, without his help, they would not have gotten Cora and Boyd to the high school. So Yeah. Yep. He's my guy. Yeah, I, I give it to Chris and kind of Derek at the end, but mostly Chris. Yeah. Everybody's doing a great job this episode. Yeah. They were just standing. Honorary mention to Styles, who just has to really go through with this up. So peace, love. I'm just sending him good vibes. Yeah, he also figures everything out always. So he is always kind of the, the alpha. alpha. Yeah. Um, yeah. Even when he's void Styles, I'm like, I don't know. We could give it to Styles. <laughs> I don't know who needs to hear this, but you do not, in any circumstances, need to give it to him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that about wraps it up. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you did, I hope you guys give us uh, a follow us on Twitter at Teen Wolf underscore Rewolf. You can also follow us um, on Instagram. That's our handle. Uh, and Tumblr at Teen Wolf Rewolf. You know, if I post there. Sometimes. Sometimes. If you need to contact us, don't do it on Tumblr. Um, if you guys like this episode, I hope that you review it on iTunes. And other than that, we should be pretty close to our regular schedule next week um so long as all goes well and i'm not like stuck in michigan um, fingers crossed fingers crossed but other than that if you live in america happy america coming up yeah 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 as happy of america as you can get you know what? We overthrew our overlords once, America. We can do it again. So that's what you should think about this 4th of July. That's a cozy thought. That's nice. Yeah. It's a little warm fire inside of you. Mm-hmm. Um, and other than that, I have been Christian. I'm Julia. And we hope you guys have a wolf of a week. A uh, woo. A uh, woo.